Welcome to Veterans Air, the Veterans Hour, your source for news, talk, and uncensored commentary here on your Lone Star Community Radio. As always, you can listen to us live the first Tuesday of every month at 1 p.m. I know what you're thinking. Doug, it's past 1 p.m. Yes, we had a little technical difficulties. So if you are actually still with us listening to it live, welcome. If not, thank you for listening to the, pre the recorded show. As always, a little housekeeping before we get started. You can contact Veterans Air through our website, www.veteransair.us. You can drop us an email, leave us a message, or better yet, you can text us in the studio on our Google phone, 936-344-3083. We have a bunch of stuff to talk about today. Because we're going to talk about death taxes and VA disability rates, but not necessarily in that order. Um, let's jump right into the news and talk about the 2022 VA disability rates. If you've checked your bank deposit last month, you see that you got an increase. Everybody on VA disability got an increase of 5.9%, and that is a huge, huge increase. Um, that works out to be about $91 more a month at the 10% uh, disability rating. Um, so like last year, if you were 10%, you were collecting $144.14 a month. This year, you're collecting $152.64 a month as of January. That's super. I mean, I love it. Thank you. I'm not the one that's, that is to look a gift horse in the mouth, so to speak. But I have to think of this 5.9% increase. Um, is that really 5.9% more than last year when it comes to living? Now, I mentioned that because I also want to talk about Social Security Disability Insurance. If you are disabled and are collecting SSDI, you also got an increase of 5.9%. That's, again, awesome. Let's not look a gift horse in the mouth. But let's also look at reality. How much of this increase comes out to each month for SSDI is kind of difficult to calculate. Because SSDI and VA and military pay, they do what's called COLA, cost of living allowance. And that's kind of difficult and, and transient type of thing to, to, to calculate, especially for Social Security disability. Because my Social Security disability is not the same as his Social Security disability, because there's a whole lot of factors that go along with that. These gains that we see in military pay, VA disability, Social Security disability, Social Security income, all these gains are offset by the inflation rate. The inflation rate is reported to be anywhere from 2% to 7%. Why the disparity, you may ask? Well, it depends on who you're talking to and what you're talking about. Oh, by the way, all the links for all of this stuff are down below or up above or to the sides, wherever it is you happen to be watching me. Um, for example, the Trading Economics website says that inflation in the USA, this is what they say about it, in the United States, adjusted consumer price index for all urban consumers is based on the price of a market basket of food, 14% of the total rate, energy, 9.3%, commodities, less food and energy commodities, 19.4%, and service, services, less energy services, at 57.3%. The last category is divided by shelter at 32.1%, medical care services at 8.5%, and transportation services at 5.5%. Are you confused yet? 
Everybody else is too. You have to be an economist to figure that out. All this means that the increase of 5.9% may not actually be in keeping pace with the current economic conditions because the increase you see in your disability payments is COLA, a cost of living allowance, which is a whole different set of calculations. And this increase, along with inflation, affects people differently depending where they live and what services they have available to them. Two big ones, rural and urban. Something that costs $2 in, in Conroe may cost $4 in Houston. And this is further compounded by the costs of energy. If you're within the city of Conroe, you have water, sewage, electricity, all that stuff provided by the city, and then you pay for it. If you're outside of the city, like my place, Texas Grace Photography, we're outside of the city limits. We get our power by propane, and we pay for our garbage pickup, and we have a septic tank as opposed to sewer lines. That is a whole different type of energy setup or services setup than in the urban areas. And this inflation is calculated primarily for urban areas. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, if I live in the country, things are cheaper. Not necessarily so. Because it's very difficult to compare apples to apples with an urban environment and a rural, rural environment. Food costs are typically, typically cheaper in a rural setting. And when I say food costs, I mean things that are locally produced. Vegetables, fruits, meats, eggs, dairy. If they're locally produced, they're cheaper by you than in the city because the transportation costs have changed. Let's talk about that transportation cost for a moment. Have you put gas in your car lately? I have, and I have noticed a huge, huge increase in gasoline prices from last year to this year, or from 2020 to, to this year. I actually saw the prices of gas go from 179 to 190, I'm sorry, 279 to 291 in one day. Transportation costs make the goods and services we receive as the public more expensive. And here's a little tidbit if you didn't know this, if you haven't noticed it. When somebody increases their price of the goods or services they sell, and they tell you we have to increase this because of transportation costs, when the cost of gasoline goes down, do their costs of gasoline go down? No. Well, yeah, their costs go down, but what they charge you does not. And I'm going to point out Federal Express and United Postal Service, UPS, both have increases in transportation costs that they pass on to the consumer, you, for the services that they're providing. When the gas gets cheaper, do they take away that surcharge? Hell no. Does the energy company take away that surcharge? You know they don't. So you should not worry at all about inflation, the cost of living, or even the shortages in our supply lines, things like food or anything made overseas. The federal government assures us that these problems are caused by the pandemic and are transitory in nature. If you believe that, please contact me. Um, you may not know, but the Brooklyn Bridge moved from Brooklyn to Arizona um, right by the, the waterfront there, I have property I want to sell you. Cheap, 
I love it when I make you smile like that. <laughs> Dick's over here shaking his head. Um, <coughs> excuse me. All right, let's talk about the pandemic for a second. And those nasty anti-vaxxers. Um, are you fully vaccinated to include the required booster shots? It's a question. I tell you, I am not. Yes, I admit, I have not gotten my booster shot. Oh, I got the vaccine. I got the shot all right. I, I did. Let me tell you the story. So my VA clinic called me last spring, and they said that they had one dose left, and it was earmarked for me. They had my name on it. I just had to go down. So I went, walked into the VA clinic. I said, I'm here. Check me off. And by the way, I'm not agreeing to take this vaccine unless, here's the caveat, unless I get the batch that gives me Wolverine claws and I also want a lollipop. Um, I got the lollipop. I won't tell you who gave it to me because she'd get in trouble. But they lied about the Wolverine claws. No Wolverine claws. In order now for me to get the booster shot, I'm not going to be that accommodating. This time, for me to get the booster shot, I want the $500 cash bonus. I want an entry in the million-dollar lottery. And I want a package of Twinkies. That's my cost. You want me to take the vaccine? You're going to have to pay me for it. Here's the bottom line about the anti-vaxxers. And this is what I'm hearing personally out talking to people that these anti-vaxxers that are against this vaccine are not anti-vaxxers, quote unquote, anti-vaxxers. Oh, hey, check that out. The, the mic moves back and forth there when I hit it with my arm, Dick. Is that what these rubber bands are for? Dick's saying, stop hitting the microphone. Can I bang the table now? That used to bother him when we were at the other places. Oh, by the way, we're in the new studios here in the uh, City Hall. So stop by and, and check us out. Lone Star Community Radio. Where was I? I get off topic and I get lost. Oh, anti-vaxxers. They're, they're not the same anti-vaxxers that are against all vaccines. These anti-vaxxers are against this specific COVID vaccine. So let me, let me read this as I wrote it, because I'm much more coherent there. Anti-vaxxers are against all vaccines. Why are they against all vaccines is relevant to this topic, other than to know that an anti-vaxxer is against all vaccines. The other group is against the COVID-19 vaccine specifically, but they don't want to take away your right to take the vaccine, just the mandate and penalties for not taking this vaccine. And I've got to say, after listening to them, they make a pretty valid point. I met one group, the Airline Employees for a Health Freedom, this Sunday at Governor Abbott's rally. And you can check their link at below or above or either side. When I was talking to them, they were coherent and their argument is valid. Does the federal or state government have a constitutional right to force an individual to have any medical procedure or take any medicine? The answer is self-evident and clearly a no. The Supreme Court has already determined that the vaccine mandates are unconstitutional. And if something is unconstitutional, it cannot be upheld by law. To get around this, President Biden, Biden had OSHA issue a ruling requiring companies with 100 employees or more to implement mandatory vaccines. That was struck down by the Supreme Court of the United States also. Then, after the ruling, the president strongly encouraged companies to implement the mandatory vaccine rule and implemented for all federal employees. This is abuse of power by the White House. 
and directly affects individuals. So, let's say you are an employee of the federal government or a contractor or wanting to bid on a contract with the federal government. You have to get the vaccine or you will lose your job. That is happening today. We went from get the vaccine and you won't get COVID to, okay, you can still get COVID and spread it even after you've been vaccinated and wear a mask. So naturally, I've got to ask, why are you punishing people that don't want the vaccine? That just doesn't make sense. If this makes sense to you, and you're willing to have a rational discussion of this, not just give a 15-second soundbite. You're actually willing to have a discussion about this. Get in contact with Veterans Air, veteransair.us, and I'm going to get you on the air and on the show. We'll talk about this like two reasonable people. But until that happens, I have to, I have to say one thing. Oh, you know, Dick, we had all this time prepping, and I, I wasn't prepared. We listen to but one thing here at Veterans Air. If you're a follower of the show, you know that we abide by the U.S. Constitution. Bring your argument, be able to back it up. I find it to be a problem that the government, the state government, the county government, can say, well, we have a state of emergency, we have a public health emergency, so you're going to do this. And if you don't do this, we're going to take away your job. That's a problem for me. And you know why it's a problem? It's a problem because it's a loss of liberties and rights guaranteed to us by God Almighty, because that's what the Constitution says, not by the federal government or the state government or the county government. Oh, look at that. Time for me to take my meds. Yeah, let's just dismiss that. I don't need to be medicated. That's the first thing that bothers me about it. The second thing that bothers me about this is that we are now demonizing those same people that last year we were applauding in the streets our doctors, our nurses, our law enforcement, our firemen, our EMTs. We're actually applauding them in the street for caring for us, caring for us during this pandemic. Now, all of a sudden, we have a vaccine and some of those people don't want to get the shot. So we're going to fire them. And if we don't fire them, we're going to do things like take away their benefits from work. I have a problem with that. I wish they would take the vaccine and hopefully what they tell us about this vaccine is true. Whether you believe them or not is your choice. I'm not going to tell you to believe them. I'm not going to tell you not to believe them. I'm not Joe Rogan, though I wish I was. Can I get a contract with the city to do my podcast here and make a $100 million? Dick is saying, yeah, go ahead, try that. Just a thought. Um, I'm not going to tell you which way to fall on this argument, but we need to, to consider a lot of things about this vaccine before we go and demonize the people that say, we're not going to take it. I don't care why they're not taking it. What I care is the punishment and the demonization of these individuals. If you're my nurse and you haven't taken the vaccine, say I haven't taken the vaccine, wear a mask, I'll wear a mask, and we'll hope that nothing happens. And just so you all know, I am in that percentile that if I get COVID, it's going to be a really bad thing. I'm obese, I'm diabetic, and there's no way to keep my mouth shut. All right, enough of that. Where am I, 20 minutes? That was good, I did 20 minutes. I want to talk about death, because I said I was going to talk about death in the title of the show. Death for a veteran has 
a lot of things that are misconceptions. A lot of veterans don't understand their death benefits or a lot of their death benefits. For example, DIC. No, not Engineer DIC. D-I-C. That's Dependency and Identification Dependency and Indemnity Compensation, or DIC, D-I-C. This is a tax-free monthly benefit paid to eligible survivors of military servicemen who died in the line of duty or eligible survivors of veterans whose death is a result from service-related injury or disease. Yes, Jim, I'm talking to you. DIC is a monthly benefit paid to eligible survivors of certain deceased veterans. And there are two main types, one for surviving spouses and one for surviving parents. At this point, I want to stop and direct you to the links below, above, or to either side, wherever you're watching this at. You need to go to the benefits portion of the VA and read up on this for yourself. Under most circumstances, a surviving spouse under 57 years old who remarries cannot receive DIC. Spouses, however, are eligible for increased benefits if they have children under 18 or if they have a disability themselves that requires living assistance. Those are the main points of DIC. Not everyone or every surviving spouse or parent is eligible for DIC. Okay, stop laughing. You see, this is why we can't have nice things. It's you veterans that laugh at inappropriate stuff. While there are many, many don't even know that these benefits exist. So you die. And at the time of your death, you're rated by the VA as 100% total and permanent and have unemployability. Your surviving spouse may, may be eligible up for up to $1,436.66. This is something that you definitely want to look into before you die. So, Bufrau, if you're listening to the show... You want to check out Dick. Stop laughing. You guys, I mean, I, I don't know about you veterans. We veterans, we tend to go along fat and happy thinking that when we die, the VA is going to bury us. This is simply not true, or at least not true for most veterans. Now, I plan upon my death to have my ashes crushed into a diamond, put on a long golden chain, for my wife, so I can spend eternity nestled in her loving bosom. She says no, but, you know, that's how I want to go. It's my dream, and I'm entitled to that dream. These days, the VA having you buried are all long and over with. They're, they're, they're done with, in most cases. A lot has changed since you last served, so you need to bring yourself up to speed really quickly in some cases. I've placed a link to the VA funeral benefits below, but there's a small snippet of information that I want to read to you from those web pages. Effective July 7th, 2014, VA is changing its monetary burial benefit regulation to simplify the program and pay eligible survivors more quickly and efficiently. These regulations will authorize VA to pay, without a written application, most eligible surviving spouses basic monetary burial benefits at the maximum amount authorized in law through an automated system rather than reimbursing them for actual costs incurred. Under the regulations, the VA pays for funeral and funeral expenses on a reimbursement basis which requires survivors to submit receipts for relativity for relatively one-time small payment that the VA generally pays at the maximum amount permitted by law. 
The new regulation, the new burial regulation, will permit VA to pay at a flat rate burial and plot and terminal allowances, thereby enabling VA to automate payment of burial benefits to most eligible surviving spouses and more effectively process other burial benefit claims. The burial balance, the burial allowance for non-service connected death is $300 and $2,000 for a death connected to military service. Unquote. That's it. When I first entered the service, part of the benefit package that I fell under was the VA was going to bury me. The VA is still going to bury me, and I'll get either between, or my spouse will either get between $300 or $2,000, depending how I die. That's a big change from what a lot of veterans thought that they had coming when they, when they finally die. I want you to go to the link below, top, whatever the links are show up, and click on the VA funeral benefits page and read this. This is the new law as of 2014 that you may not know about because I was surprised too when I looked into this. And, and we as veterans, we need to know this. Our spouses need to know this. So make sure you look into it. <clears throat> We're gonna talk about taxes. Now usually, at least for the past couple of years, sitting across from me would be Steven Zogel from Accounting Wise Guys. But you notice he's not here today. He's not here today because we're in the middle of tax season and he has a lot of taxes to do and his office has a lot of tax to, lack taxes to do, counting wise guys. Um, but I do have a commitment for him to come on in one day and we'll record a show and we'll place it out there on Veterans Air and on the website and on YouTube and all over the other places so you can listen to the latest and greatest on your taxes for this year. Be on the lookout for this. Better yet, you can visit Stephen over at his website, accountingwiseguys.com. If you do your own taxes, you might want to consider a professional this year because there has been changes. Of course there has. First off, what do you do about the pandemic stimulus. Do you count that as income? In some cases, you do. Shocked, right? How about unemployment? When changes to unemployment, you collected unemployment during the pandemic. There's a certain way that you must account for that. There's even been changes to savings and investments. All of that has changed this year. So I encourage you all that are out there to become familiar with these changes and apply them. What you get right now, say you file your taxes today and next month you get your, your refund. How are you sure that that refund is really a refund and next year you're not going to owe them money because they overpaid you this year? Yeah, been a lot of changes. And I'm no tax guy. I'm lucky if I can do two plus two equals five. You need to think about it this year more than any other year in the past because there has been changes. Um, I wanted to, to talk about for a second changes to banking and, and sending and receiving money or goods. Because this has changed also. And I want to draw your attention to PayPal. PayPal is a huge, huge organization that you can send money to people, pay bills through, um, pay for goods and services, the whole nine yards. If you have a PayPal account, you need to log into your PayPal account and not on your phone, not through the PayPal app. Go to paypal.com you're going to see 
that you're going to need to revalidate your banking information, your credit card information, and your social security number. Why? Do you remember a couple of weeks ago about that whole thing about uh, the banks are now going to have to report what's in your banking account if there's changes up to $600 deposited or withdrew? Do you remember that? And that was to be included into this, this uh, $3 trillion Build Back America plan that got struck down? What makes you think that that's not happening, even though that language in the $3 trillion Build Back America plan was struck down? Do you think they're going to let something like that go? Of course they will. And this is why you have to revalidate your Social Security number and your banking information and your credit card information listed with PayPal. Because the IRS isn't watching how you spend your money. There's a pregnant pause. Now, some people may, may say, what? And get all up in arms about this. But before you do, let me just say this. If you're up in arms about this, perhaps there's a reason that the government needs to be doing this. Because obviously you're not giving all the money that belongs to the government to the government. If you make a dollar, a portion of that dollar belongs to the federal government, not to you. And dang it, we're going to make sure that we get every thin dime that belongs to us, and you have to stop holding on to it. Is the FCC going to come close me down now, Dick? Probably so. I'm sorry. I know this is your only employment here. Um, see, I told you you should have had a, had a mute button for me. He's eventually going to put one in for me. Um, listen, I'm doing pretty good. I'm like 32 minutes. So I need to do a sick call. If you've, if you've been paying attention, I've been out the last couple of months. I've been down in, in, in Corpus Christi um, doing remotes from there. So let me give you some, some sick calls that tells you why I'm, I'm, I was gone. If you're a regular follower of the show, you know that my boss, Darlene, over at East Meets West Productions has had a stroke back in December. I am happy to report the stroke was centered on the left side of her communication center of her brain, but she is back and she hasn't lost a step. She still has a way to go speech-wise, but with time and therapy, she'll soon be 100%. It could have been a lot worse. If you want to say a little prayer for Darlene, it would be appreciated. I want to give you an update on Senior Chief Pete. He's been on the show a couple of times, and he actually wrote for us the Constitutional and American History Syllabus um, program or whatnot that, uh, that they give to citizens or or give to immigrants wanting to become citizens, we actually have that online and available through our website at veteransair.us. Senior Chief had a series of massive strokes last year. Luckily, he is out of rehab and doing much better. I saw him this Saturday, and he is doing much better than he was previously, but he needs a haircut. He looks like a hippie. Kind of like some long-haired people that I know. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Dick. Um, last one that he, that last haircut that the senior chief had was in the beginning of November when I did it last. If you can give a decent flat top haircut and are willing to go in the woodlands, please let me know um, before he is he is saddled with my non-ability to give a proper flat cut haircut. Um. Is it time to give shout-outs? Yeah, we have to give shout-outs. Let me give a shout-out to our show sponsors. Before I forget, Veterans Air is made possible by the support of East Meets West Productions, a full-service business and marketing consulting firm helping vets start and fund their businesses for over 30 years. For more information, contact 
0044. I also want to give a shout out to Bitter Glitter. Valentine's Day is on the 14th of this month. Two short weeks away. If you haven't gotten your true love something, then check out bitterglitter.us for unique gifts for veterans designed by veterans. And they have a bunch of products out there that are made in the USA. So go check them out. Um, let's do some happenings because there are a bunch of happenings out there. i got a full page room. On February 18th um, is the Winter Conroe Swap Meet and Car Corral uh, hosted by Hot Rods of Texas. Um, anybody on? Uh, this is February 18th through the 20th at the Montgomery County Fairgrounds at 9333 Airport Road in Texas. There'll be over 600 vendors, and you need to pre-register for this event, and you can pre-register at hotrodsoftexas.com. Um, I'm going to be there just because, you know, cool cars. I want to talk about uh, the Big Top Shopping Festival. Um, this runs from this February 12th through the 13th. It's at Heritage Place at 500 Collins Street, Conroe, Texas. Big Top Shopping Festival. Where's 500 Collins Street, Dick? He says, I have no idea either. It sounds familiar. So it's got to be somewhere around here in, in Conroe. Collins Street, Conroe. Um, what else do we have going on? Veterans Volunteer Lawyers. Veterans Volunteer Lawyers is excited to partner with the Houston Bar Association, Young Lawyers Association, and the Lone Star Flight Museum to host a free veterans clinic on Friday, February 11th from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Volunteers will provide free legal advice to veterans, active military, their spouses, and surviving spouses. Please stop by between 1 and 4 to speak with a volunteer attorney. Uh, this, uh, this, the Lone Star Flight Museum is at 11551 Aerospace Avenue in Houston. I have no idea where it is, but it's 11551 Aerospace Avenue in Houston. It's the Lone Star Flight Museum. If you need advice of a lawyer, calling all scouts, calling all scouts. The deadline for entry in the VFW Scout of the Year program is March 1st. You have 29 days. March 1st. Get those applications into your local VFW post. To find out more information on rules and eligibility requirements, go to vfw.org slash youth, and you'll find all about the scouting um, program there and what eligibility requirements are to receive these awards and money. VFW is going to be busy this month because on Wednesday, February 9th, between 5 and 8 p.m., it will be the constituents and candidates mix and mingle. This is something that the VFW has been doing for the past couple of years. Um, I was there for it last year. I think the year before, I think we even did a remote, Dick. Um, and this is great because they bring all the candidates together, regardless of party, all the candidates together. They get like <coughs> three to five minutes to, to give their, their stump speech. And then they mingle with us, the constituents. And they have their little tables and their booths and whatnot. But this is a great way to find out about the candidates running, what positions they're running for, and what their stances are. Back when the Constitution was first written, the thought process was that the constituents of an area, us, would find somebody and say, you, go to Washington and tell them this. This is what we want. That process has changed over the past 240-some-odd years, and now people run for that office, and what we hope is that when they go there, they align themselves with what we as their constituents want. That sometimes is and is not true. So in order for you to vote 
responsibly. You must know who the candidates are and what their stances are. Are you going to find somebody that 100% aligns with what your beliefs are? Probably not. So it's come down to vote for the lesser evil, if you will. But this mix and mingle is happening February 9th at the VFW between 5 and 8 p.m. The duration is three hours. Um, So please, come on over. Check out the candidates who are running in March's primary election. Uh, This is an opportunity to learn and discuss current issues. There is wine... I lost my lost my page. Yes, there is wine. I have just over 15 minutes, right? All right. Since I'm running early, I want to talk about Trump and Abbott and their rallies. I did not go to the Trump rally here at the fairgrounds. Because there's going to be thousands and thousands of people, and I don't stand around too good. And for those of you who have seen me on my walker in my wheelchair, you know that that in a crowd of 5,000 plus people is probably not the best way to be. Tend to get crushed. So I didn't go. But I did listen to his speech. What I did do is I did go to Governor Abbott's rally on Sunday. Dick, do you have that picture? Dick's going to throw up a picture of me and the governor. Um, I got to talk to the governor briefly for a minute or two, talk to him about this radio show, talk to him about that I really would like to work with, with his staff on some veteran issues that are important. And these are the issues that you, my good listeners, have expressed to me. Hopefully that will happen. Um, It was a rally for the governor. Turned out just to be a photo op. But I did get the information to his his, uh, press secretary. Hopefully something will come of that. The, if you were to compare the state of Texas to other states when it comes to how friendly it is to veterans, Texas would rank way up there at number one. Because there's a lot of things that Texas considers doing for its veterans as a means of saying, thank you, we appreciate you. One of the wonderful things that they do is property tax. Each year, the property tax is going up. I've never, ever, 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 ever seen the property tax go down ever, no matter where I lived. This year was no different. Went to go pay my taxes, and of course my taxes went up. In the state of Texas, if you're 50% disabled or more, you get um, some property tax relief. If you're 100% disabled, you can get 100% of your property tax waived. That is huge amounts of money. I'm not 100%, um, but I would love to have my property taxes waived. That would be really great. Save me thousands of dollars a month, thousands of dollars a year. Another one of the great benefits that Texas does for its veterans is the DV plate. With that DV plate, you don't have to pay tolls on state highways. I can zip that down Route 99 and not pay a toll. Makes me real happy. As a matter of fact, the only place that I've been in Texas that I actually received toll charges was out in Austin. Austin I get, get charged for. I think over on the, uh, the Westland Parkway, I think you also get charged for I know the hardy you don't. Hardy told Road you don't. Um, that brings me to another topic. The change in laws for veterans 
as it applies to the DV plate. If you have your DV plates, you know that you can go on toll roads and you know you can park in handicapped parking spaces, right? Wrong. As of this year, you cannot park in a disabled parking slot if you do not have the international symbol for disability, little stick guy in the wheelchair, on your license plate, or you have a blue or red handicap placard. You can still park there, but just because you're a disabled veteran doesn't mean that you get to park there. I know you're thinking to yourself, what? If I'm disabled, of course I can park. I, can, I should be able to park there. No. These parking slots, they're for physically disabled individuals. You can be have a disability rating from the VA and not be physically disabled. So, veterans out there with DV plates, if you want if you need to park in a handicapped parking space, either turn your license in, your license plates in and get new ones issued, there will be a small fee for that, or go get your blue or red placards, but you need a note from your doctor, there's, you know, you'll know what form to fill out for you. I think that is right, and I think that is just. I think of me for an example. I walk around with a cane. But if you know me, you know that there are days that I'm bad and I need to use my walker or even my wheelchair from time to time. If I don't need to park in a handicapped parking place, I won't. If I can make it from the parking lot into the store, walk around the store and come back out, I will. On those days where I consider myself physically challenged, I will park in a handicapped parking space if one is available. And I'll put my little blue parking placard hanging in the window, just like I'm supposed to. Veterans, disabled veterans specifically, make sure you follow the up-to-date law that if you're parking in a handicapped parking space, that you have the international symbol for disabilities, the guy in the wheelchair, or you have a blue or red placard hanging in your windshield. If you get a ticket because you didn't do that, it will be your fault because you heard it here. And I actually put this out uh, when it first got approved by the Texas legislator legislation in September. I think I put this out. I could be wrong, but I think I put it out in, in September. At any rate, let's make sure we do all these things. Um, I want to thank you for listening and joining me today. Um, we'll be more stuff coming out as more things become available. I might do, now that I'm back in town, I might start doing a couple of little podcasts on the side. Dangerous Dan, Lucas, looking at you guys. Let's get together and do something. All right, so I'm at 49 minutes. You ready to end me? Okay. I'm going to do my ending here, as I always do. I want to leave you with a song by our friend. Um, oh, no. I got my ending wrong. I did get the Warrior song right. I want to leave you with this uh, song from the Warrior Project. And as we listen to this, I want you to remember our brothers and sisters who are standing in harm's way today, standing for our freedoms and for our liberties. If you are wearing the uniform today, I want to tell you I am proud of you. I want to tell you thank you. And until next month, stay safe and stay vigilant.
them 